For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, that's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is this water called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Those aluminum cans it comes in are recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities so they won't just end up in your local landfill like plastic bottles. Go get liquid death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find Liquid Death re- retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com front slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com front slash film study. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here for this week's Know Your Foe episode, of course, the Ravens uh, traveling to Foxborough to face the Patriots. And joining us here is Matt St. Jean of Pat's Pulpit. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. A pleasure, uh, as always. So a Twitter handle? It's at uh, Matt St. Dream, M-A-T-T-S-T-D-R-E-A-M. All right. Fair enough. And uh, we love to have uh, opposing fans on here, uh, especially analysts who can tell us a lot about their team. Uh, so we're happy to have you. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what the Patriots did this offseason. Uh, start with any, any big moves that, uh, that have turned out to be the biggest coming into this year. 
Well, the, the biggest moves for the Patriots are about who left and not about who was coming in. Uh, it's a cap crunch for the team. They spent a lot a couple years ago, and because of that, this offseason, they didn't have a lot to spend. So that meant uh, J.C. Jackson, their top corner a season ago, a, a true ball hawk, left. He's with the Chargers now. And the other big loss was the offensive coordinator in Josh McDaniels. He is the head coach of the Raiders. Uh, that is where there's been a lot of talk in the media about that offensive coordinator position. It wasn't filled. It has been left open to be uh, a group job. Matt Patricia and Joe Judge are the two names there. And there are a lot of opinions already on how that's going. <laughs> Okay, so Matt Patricia, of course, we know as being a former defensive coordinator who also went to be coach of the Lions for a while, right? Yes. Okay, so back as an offensive coordinator, not a lot of play, not a lot of individuals have had both a DC and an OC job at some point in their career. No, and Matt Patricia is not officially the offensive coordinator, uh, though he is the play caller. He was an assistant offensive line coach back in 2005, so he had experience on the offense then. Um, and he was, I mean, obviously if you're the head coach, you're going to deal with the offense at least a little bit. And Mm -hmm. he was kind of a special assistant last year. So he isn't coming into this totally cold. They didn't ask him to switch from defensive coordinator to offensive coordinator with no gap in between. Um, and then Joe Judge, I'm sorry, go ahead. uh, Joe Judge spent one year as the wide receivers coach when he was in New England before he left for that Giants head coaching job. And now he's working with the quarterbacks. Uh, Although there's a lot of cross-training behind the scenes with coaches we know um, with Bill Belichick. So uh, there's a lot of talk about how ready these guys are. And some radio stations like to put a lot of negative spin on everything because it is new. I'm not ready to go that far yet. We're only two weeks into this season. All right. All right. Fair enough. Uh, How about let's talk a little bit about the draft and and the Patriots' job there. Um, Well, I mean, this was... uh, the, the biggest hole that they decided to fill here in the first round was at the guard spot, which was uh, a hole that they created themselves. They traded away Shaq Mason to free up some cap space, used their first overall, not first overall, their first round pick on Cole Strange, the guard out of Chattanooga, who has mm-hmm. been a plug-and-play starter at left guard. He got uh, rave reviews from PFF in week one, not so much last week, although the initial viewing of the TV copy and the All-22 film, um, I, I think a lot of people thought he did a pretty good job last week. So I think there's questions about exactly how good Cole Strange is. The other draft pick, second round pick, Tyquan Thornton, a receiver, he looked really good, but uh, he's on injured reserve right now. Let's go back to Cole Strange for a minute because I'm an offensive line guy and uh, you know, the Ravens, of course, picked a center at, at number 25, and I thought that this would be a a year where they could get a center pretty cheap. And then all the centers went early, as far as I'm concerned. Cole Strange, ridiculously early, and I, I would have projected him at a center, although you tell me he's playing guard for the Patriots now. That's, uh, you know, a, a difference than, from what I would have expected. Um, and then, uh, let's see, Luke Fortner went way early. Cam Jurgens went way early. A whole bunch of a whole bunch of of uh, centers went way early. The only one who lasted more than, later than I expected was Zach Tom, the Wake Forest tackle, who I think will play center in the NFL. Uh, very interesting draft for for center, and in a lot of ways, I think even if Cole Strange is playing guard right now, that the Patriots started that landslide of picks at center with an early selection there. 
what was the general reaction of the fan base to him being selected at that spot? Any time that you trade a long-time starter who's been very good for a fifth-round pick and then turn around and use a first-round pick on the replacement, there's always mm-hmm. going to be a little bit of hate immediately. But I think people have come around on it. Cole Strange has played well so far. The coaches have all said good things about him. He was a guy, uh, a lot of people said he was a second or a third round pick. After the draft, I went back. I was watching the tape of him, what I was able to find, because he's from Chattanooga and there's not a lot Mm -hmm. publicly available there. And you go, okay, this guy has functional play strength. He knows what he's doing in the running game. There's questions about him in the passing game, but he's clearly kind of a, a guy who can play in a zone scheme. He's a guy who can pin and pull. And I didn't really mind the pick in the first round once you get down to it. Um, the other thing is, it's all about how your coaches and your, your front office is going to grade players. And I think there's questions about positional value with taking a guard or a center in the first yep. round. <laughs> but I think we can also all agree we would rather have a good player on the offensive line than a bad player at any other position because you're reaching for that positional value. You got to get good players first and foremost. If you think the guy is going to be good, I don't mind the pick. Okay, so you're, that's a zig and zag relative to standardized positional value in that first round. I understand that the Ravens certainly, you know, diving in on a safety and with their number fourteen and Linderbaum at number twenty-five, you know, played a lot of that same strategy of of mining for value while the rest of the league seemed to be all drafting wide receivers in round one. And it's yeah. it's hard to find some of those premier edge or wide receiver guys once you get into mm-hmm. the back half of the second round. And and you talk about receiver, that's an area where the last couple of years. There's you go to the second, third round, you're getting guys that are really good while you have first round busts. I think that's another area the Patriots are looking for. Tyquan Thornton, who won't be a factor in this game. He's on injured reserve, but they liked what they saw. He had the fastest combine time of any receiver in the draft. And this is an offense that needed speed. They also added Pierre Strong in, on day three, who had the fastest um, 40 time of any running back. So team speed here is clearly a thing. Uh, I'll add Pierre Strong was a zone scheme running back when he was in college and Cole Strange was a zone scheme guard. There has been uh, a movement to do more zone scheme stuff within the Patriots offense, which has been a disaster might be the best way to put it. They ran it all camp and they ran it week one and then they went away from it week two and the running game suddenly started working. I think Cole Strange is good at that. The rest of the line, not necessarily. We can dive more into that later. And then the other guys in the draft that are going to be a factor here, they picked two corners. Uh, Jack Jones out of Arizona State, who they visited with a couple times, who is already in the rotation. And Marcus Jones, a slot corner out of Houston, who hasn't really gotten playing time yet. A great return man, right? And that's what makes part of this interesting, is he has not returned any punts yet this year. And he was a guy who didn't play in the first preseason game because he was a starter at that point. And then in the second preseason game only came on in the second half and was playing well into the fourth quarter. Didn't really play in week one and then was a healthy scratch last week. So I don't think anybody quite knows what to make of what the coaches think of him, what his role in this team is going to be. Um, The Patriots returner is Miles Bryant, who's another slot corner who fumbled a punt back into his own end zone last week and got a little bit lucky that that ended up being a touchback and not something worse. Mm -hmm. So that is 
one of the kind of key points on the fringes of this game is who's going to return punts for the Patriots. Is it going to be Miles Bryant? Will it be Marcus Jones? And they also signed Jabril Peppers this offseason, the guy who has experience there as well. Sure. From the Browns. There you go. Uh, okay. Those are good. Now you mentioned some, some injuries, some walking wounded going on, particularly on the, I guess on the, oh, well, you mentioned one, but uh, sorry, Tyquan Thornton. Uh, who else is, is, uh, on their injury report right now for the Patriots? Kyle Duggar is probably the most prominent one. Uh, he's mm-hmm. the third year safety. safety. Yeah. Division two, Lenore Ryan, second round pick, who's been phenomenal for the team and really came on strong so far this year. He left the game partway through last week in the win at Pittsburgh. And we don't have an update on him yet. The team didn't, pr- we're recording this on Tuesday. The team has not practiced yet this week. So we don't have an injury report on him. Um, his status is up in the air. Adrian Phillips, also another safety, left week one early with a rib injury, but then practiced last week and played last week. I think he's going to be good to go. Uh, and Juwan Bentley and uh, Devon Godshaw, a linebacker and a defensive tackle, respectively, both also uh, missed some time last week with an injury during the game, but ended up finishing things out. So some guys banged up. But I think most of the key starters should be out there. Kyle Duggar's really the only guy with serious questions. You mentioned some of the uh, problems that the Patriots had this offseason in terms of retaining talent, with J.C. Jackson probably being the most notable one. But uh, how is their long-run cap situation look now? It is in an interesting spot. Um, they're going to have a lot of money coming off the books this offseason. Uh, they're also going to have a lot of players coming off the books. As of right now, next year, they only have four players with a cap hit of $10 million or higher. Uh, two of them are tight ends, Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, who have combined for only seven catches so far this year. They have a combined cap hit of $33 million next year. <laughs> yeah. And Matt Judon and Devon Is there savings Dodger. on those guys? Uh, they can save on Hunter Henry. They can save $10 million next year. Jonu mm-hmm. Smith, nothing which, again, we can dive into this later. John U. Smith has come on a little bit stronger this year. Um, but Matt Judon, the former Raven, is one of those guys. And Devon Godshaw, the other, one, the other one of those four, all four signed in that spending spree the year that they drafted Mac Jones. There's a lot of names coming off the books here. I'm just going to read you off a few. Nelson Aguilar is coming off the books after this year, but they draft a receiver in Tyquan Thornton, Jonathan Jones, and Miles Bryant, two slot corners whose names are coming off the books, but they just drafted two corners. Uh, Jacoby Myers, who's probably their best receiver, mm-hmm. I, I would find it hard to imagine they don't bring him back. Uh, Damian Harris, who's been their best running back, but they drafted Pierre Strong. Do me Pierre a favor, Strong. if you would, here, turn off your video, because that sometimes affects our audio synchronization here. Okay. Appreciate it. Do you want me to go back to the start of that? No, you're good. Just keep going. Okay. Um, Damian Harris, who's been their best running back for a couple of years now, his contract's up. They have Ramondre Stevenson waiting in the wings. They drafted Pierre Strong, like I mentioned. They also drafted Kevin Harris uh, out of South Carolina, who, aside from some fumbles, looked pretty good in the preseason, ended up not making the team, but he is back on the practice squad. So what they decide to do at running back will be interesting. And then they have Isaiah Wynn who is formerly their left tackle, now their right tackle, whose contract is up after this year. Anytime you get moved from that blind side to the front side, I, I think there's some questions about how the coaching staff feels about him and whether or not they're going to bring him back. Uh, and then there's a couple defensive players, Raquan McMillan, Mac Wilson, Jabril Peppers, all brought in on one-year deals. Mac Wilson had one year left on his deal when they traded for him. 
those are guys where I think there are more questions about the depth behind them going forward. So none of these guys should be super high-priced free agents, so it puts them in an interesting position this offseason where they're going to have a lot of guys that they're going to have to sign, a lot of holes on this roster to fill, but also there's going to be some money to address it. So one of the guys that I had really is interesting to me, and, and the Ravens ended up drafting the opposite guard from Michigan, uh, it, it was Michael Onwayno. And really like him, love the fact that he could fill in at tackle as well. And he's one of those players in the league that really has some guard tackle ability. You know, you may laugh at that a little bit, but I think so anyway. Um, Is he a player that they will try and address a long-term contract with after year three? Or do they not do that that much? Well, I think the real question here is how much they like him in the first place. It has been a really interesting situation. I don't know if you want to take this time to dive into the offensive line. No, we can go right into it if you want. It's, it's pretty much next up. Yeah. Uh, so the offensive line, they, they traded Shaq Mason. The other four guys were all on the team last season. Only one of them is still in the same position on the line. On when you came into the year as a starter at mm-hmm. left guard, and now uh, he got kicked out of that starting lineup. Ted Karras was playing better than he was last year, and he kind of bounced around. They needed help at tackle, so they would he would be kind of the third tackle at points. But he could, despite being very highly graded as an individual blocker, he found a hard time getting into the lineup. And now you look at Can this. Can you explain season. why that happened? I mean, it's I, I'm I'm really shocked. I mean, I see a snap total was only six fifty eight in twenty twenty one. How did it happen? How did it happen? A player that good. Well, I think the issue here is probably communication based. That's what that that's my opinion on it from this perspective. He's the kind of guy where if he gets matched up one-on-one with somebody in a, a good position or a neutral position, he should win the block. He's going to do that most of the time. But communicating with the lineman around him and picking up the right guys, I think was an issue for him at points. Mm-hmm. And he also has an awkward size where he is not particularly mobile for a guard, and he's also not that long for a tackle, which we know the Patriots don't mind, and he has been effective at tackle. But he's a guy I don't think you feel confident in him long-term as a tackle. I could be wrong. The Patriots could opt to go in that direction with Isaiah Wynn's contract expiring this offseason. But the other factor here is that this offseason, it appeared they wanted to shift to his own scheme. They practiced it all training camp, and it wasn't working. Okay, I looked this up because that's not the way I remembered it. But Michael Enwayno, almost 34 and a half inch arms. That's plenty long for tackle. He's a little bit short, but that's not yeah. bad if you have the arm length, I wouldn't think. Yeah. I, I just really liked him. I liked him better than I liked Bredesen. I definitely like the value better uh, at 182, getting getting Enwayno. I, I was frankly sick over the fact the Patriots got such a value pick. Uh, with him. And, uh, you know, I, I generally, I hate the Harbaugh connection picks as a general rule. I don't like picking Michigan guys, uh, just because I'm, I'm already very concerned about, you know, an overrating brother to brother of what's <laughs> going on with these players. But, but Anueno was the, was the guy that, that I really thought on that line was the best of the three. Ruiz was, ended up being a first round pick to the Saints, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, and Bredesen went in the fourth to the Ravens. They've already traded him as a, as being the, you know, 11th guy on a 10 man line last year. And uh, Anuena was the guy. I mean, he's he's the monstrous size, good length guy that just made a lot of sense in terms of uh, uh, of a player. Anyway, sick that the Patriots got him, <laughs> and and I, and I can't figure out why he's not playing 
you know, why he wouldn't be a, a, a starter at this point with how well he's graded out and, and uh, uh, you know, and played in the time he has had. Yeah, well, it's you go back to training camp and kind of the reports were it would be you'd be looking at the one on one sessions and he's winning blocks against every single defensive lineman. And then you go into the actual running drills and he's on the right. He's at right guard. They have Isaiah win at right tackle now and they run to the right side. Loss of three yards. Run to the right side. Stuffed. Run to the right side. Loss of five yards. And. I think this was an issue last year. So the other part of this, they switched sides with the tackles. Trent Brown switched from right to left to win from left to right. Why? Mm-hmm. We don't really know. Uh, I would assume it has to do with confidence in their abilities because you typically would want the better tackle at left tackle. Um, and Trent Brown has played left tackle in New England before. He did it in 2018 when the team won a championship. But last season, it was on Wenu at left guard next to Isaiah Wynn at left tackle, and they had similar issues. So maybe it's just the two of those guys have not done well playing next to each other. I will say, though, this last week, they switched from zone scheme running to more gap power scheme running, and all of a sudden, things moved a lot better. Wenu is much, he's not a lateral mover. And when you ask him to get downhill instead of moving from side to side, things looked a lot better. All right. All right. Well, a fascinating uh, update on a player, uh, obviously, that I really like. Let's talk about – go go across the rest of the offensive line in terms of where people are right now. Uh, so Trent Brown is at left tackle, um, Cole Strange at left guard, David Andrews at center. He's been a mainstay there for a long time now. He's the only guy in the same position. And then on Wainu at right guard and win at right tackle. Uh, and arguably the worst guy in the line so far this year has been Trent Brown at left tackle. Uh, uh, Mac Jones got sacked twice week one. Both of them were awful. One ended a, a drive and was a total whiff. Uh, and the other one was a blindside hit turned into a strip sack and a touchdown for Miami. Both of those were on Trent Brown, missing guys on the left side. And Mac Jones threw a pick last week in Pittsburgh. There's an unblocked rusher also from the left side, also on Trent Brown. That one was um, an outside linebacker pretending to drop and then bringing the blitz and he just never saw it, which is kind of the running theme here disguised blitzes. So he fooling him. He blocked inside when mm-hmm. he, well, he helped inside and said, Hmm, yeah. is it, is not, it was not an extra. It was not an extra man on the left side blitz. It was a strictly, he blocked, he, he, yep. he helped he saw, blocked inside. Yep. Saw the linebacker drop, turned his eyes inside and never checked back outside. Hmm. Wow. That's bad. Okay. Uh, um, Let's move on to the wide receiver core. You, you mentioned some of these guys and, and the fact that Thornton was going to miss the game, but uh, what's Jacoby Myers done this year? He's done a lot. He has been Mac's main guy. They've asked him to do a lot moving around um, the formation. Uh, he's not the snap leader for this Patriots offense, but he really is the number one guy. Uh, he's become a much better contested catch receiver. Uh, this first couple of years, he's more of a typical slot guy. But he's bigger than your typical slot receiver, and he started to use that size a little bit better. He's an asset in the running game. He's a very willing blocker, a very good blocker. He likes to come inside uh, on safeties instead of going to corners. That's something you see a lot when the Patriots run up the middle. They'll have Myers in the slot, and they'll ask him to cut across to get the free safety or the strong safety instead mm-hmm. of cutting off whatever corner uh, would be outside with him. And he just he made a lot of uh, plays for them. Last week, lots of catches. He moves the chains a lot. That's the guy Mac trusts the most. Uh, the other guy on this team right now who has been playing very well is Nelson Aguilar, who has a very expensive contract. 
and did not live up to it last year. This year, he's starting to find it. He was the first 100-yard receiver in the Mac Jones era in New England last week. <laughs> um, I don't know if you saw the play, but he had the long touchdown at the end of the first half on a go ball. Mac Jones threw it up to him, and he mossed the defensive back, went up over him, grabbed it, which I didn't know Nelson Aguilar knew how to do, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But they're asking him to do a lot more from the slot this year. They traded for Devontae Parker from Miami, who's a more traditional X receiver. And they're putting Parker in that role and letting Aguilar be your flanker. So they'll put him outside some of the time. They'll put him inside some of the time. Uh, They're asking him to do a lot of vertical stuff, but also a lot of crossers where he's been very successful. And his speed has shown kind of crossing the face of the safety, getting across the field and more yards after the catch than we've seen him have in previous years. Okay, so Parker has been a thorn at times on the Ravens when he's at Miami. Uh, that's an interesting uh, one that he's a significant part of the offense here. Let's talk about running back. Uh, first of all, are the Patriots still using a fullback now, or did they did they scrap that at some point? Uh, there isn't one on the roster, so and there's only two tight ends. Um, so it's yeah in the running game at last week it was almost all eleven personnel. Mm-hmm. They're rotating between Hunter Henry. Uh, and John o. Smith. And I think this is where I let me go into depth about some of the depth receivers too, because that's where there's a little bit of overlap here. Um, they have a little Jordan Humphrey who they signed kind of as a, a camp body and he did very well. He's a big receiver. He came out of Texas. He played for new Orleans. Uh, he has Lil in his name, but I think he's six foot four. <laughs> um, he's a big body. And week one, they played, a significant amount of 12 personnel. Uh, they did 31 snaps of it. Last week, they only did five, and they had a little Jordan Humphrey start. Um, and they ran a lot of the similar concepts, using Humphrey as almost a move tight end, getting that big body out there, creating mismatches that way. He did well as a blocker. Um, and I'll be interested to see if they do that more. They abandoned, last year, the, the 12 personnel lasted a couple weeks into the season before they went away from it. It wasn't really working this year. It only lasted one week, it seems like, although it could come back. You never really know with Bill Belichick what they're going to do from week to week. So I, I always think of the, the despite the fact that they took Ben Mason off the Ravens practice squad and gave him a spot last year, presumably to learn about the Ravens special teams like Belichick always does. It, 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 he is a... Um, uh, a coach, I always think of liking to run a lot of the offense out of 11 personnel. Maybe he doesn't interfere that much, but likes to do the run out of 11, not just the pass out of 11. Mm-hmm. True, or, or is it more, been a lot of 12 this year and last? Um, they try to get their best skill players on the field. Clearly, they thought it was Hunter Henry and John New Smith as the two of their best five uh, based on the contracts they gave. I don't think that is the case anymore. And because of that, they are going to 11 most of the time. Um, And they also have a little bit of depth at receiver. Um, They have Kendrick Bourne, who was their second leading receiver last year, who's now fourth or fifth on the depth chart. Um, He's had some issues with the coaches. He had what sounds like a run-in with Matt Patricia in the late stages of the offseason. There were joint practices with Carolina Panthers. And that week, he got kicked out of practice for throwing punches during a brawl then had an equipment issue and then showed up late for a meeting, I think all in successive days, and was benched the first week of the season. But he's starting to come back. He was a favorite of Max last year. And it seems like the coaching staff has said, all right, we'd, we'd rather have him on the field 
or have Aguilar on the field or Myers or Parker than the second of these two tight ends just based on the matchups it's creating. Yeah, fair enough. And I'm looking at last week's uh, snaps and 73 out of the two tight ends, 39 and 34 for Smith and Harvey, respectively, mm-hmm. and only 68 total. So they only had five overlapping tight end snaps or perhaps more, but but it, with some 10 personnel. It was not, It was only five. That was it. Mm-hmm. And one of those came down on the goal line, which uh, I just thought this would be an, in- was an interesting note. This is the first time we'd seen them at the goal line uh, all season even going back to the preseason. And this is a team with no fullback and only two tight ends on the roster. I was interested to see how that would look. And the answer is they, they had uh, John o. Smith and Hunter Henry with Lil Jordan Humphrey in there kind of as the third tight end. And then they had hmm. Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, the two backs split in the backfield. So, so they played, that's a pony backfield then. Uh, yes. and, and they, and they didn't put in a sixth offensive lineman in that as opposed no, to an extra which tight end? has been, hmm. that's something that Bill has liked to do historically is to have an extra offensive lineman come in at the goal line if they're running short on tight ends. I don't know if this was a game plan specific thing or if this is going to be the mainstay going forward. Um, the play also came from about, I think the three yard line. So well, it wasn't at the goal line itself. You're a mm-hmm. couple yards away, maybe down at the one. That changes. I don't know. Okay. All right. Outstanding. So I think we've answered the 11 or 12, 21 personnel stuff I normally ask about. Uh, what other kind of common plays and formations can we expect? So you know, formations you mentioned 11 is mostly it. Do they run some 10? Do they run any 10? They didn't last week, you're telling me? I don't, as far as I can remember, they haven't run a single snap of 10 this season, which does surprise me a bit with the receivers they have, but it, it isn't the most common personnel. Uh, it doesn't get mm-hmm. run that often. Don't see a lot of four receiver sets. Uh, I think from what we've seen, they're going to run 11 personnel for just about all of the game. And they're just going to switch up who's in there because they have a lot of different guys who do different things. I mentioned Angler out of the slot. Myers can go all over the place. Bourne has had some success on the outside um, at points. Parker, who you mentioned, has been a thorn in the Ravens' side. Actually, has not been a productive player for the Patriots yet. He's been targeted four times, one catch for nine yards, two interceptions in those four targets, which not, hmm. neither interception was his fault. One of them came on the first drive of the season where he was kind of being held by Xavier Howard. Howard made a nice play. Javon Holland intercepted it. The other one last week was just a mistake from Mac Jones, not seeing Minka Fitzpatrick in coverage. Uh, but Parker's a guy who, in theory, can make a lot of jump ball catches, has done that historically, can also win on slants and is tough to bring down. So when you have all those guys, there isn't one personnel grouping that is dominant or that screams like this is a, a top 10 offense in the NFL but they can rotate and always keep fresh legs out there. I think they want to play a little bit more no huddle at some point, practice mm-hmm. it in training camp. There have been communication issues with the offense um, this season. We've seen it with the offensive line. There was a delay game last week because they were still getting on the same page about something. I know they changed the language of the playbook this year. The idea was to get guys to play faster. That hasn't materialized yet, but when they have gone no huddle, they got a 12-man penalty in Miami week one. I think they want to do that once everybody is on the same page. Whether that comes in week three or week 10, we don't know yet. All right. That's interesting. The, the Ravens certainly, uh, they, they like to make some changes to personnel by down. And if the 
if the Patriots are in 11 most of the time, it's one of the places where the Ravens are kind of weak because they, they don't have a deep cornerback group right now. Uh, a lot of injuries going around. Peters coming back from an injury. Humphrey missed the last two drives where they scored the, the Dolphins scored their last two touchdowns to win the game in this in this last uh, week. Uh, they've got, you know, a, a couple of fourth round picks are probably their best corners. We hope they can both play. Uh, this week they've already lost Kyle Fuller for the season. So teams that that can run eleven and and put three good wide receivers on the field and maybe a, maybe a fourth target who's a receiving tight end really scare the heck out of uh, out of the Ravens right now and, and certainly me as a Ravens analyst. <laughs> yeah, uh, you asked about uh, route combinations and the plays they like to run too. Mm-hmm. Patriots have seen a lot of man coverage. I did it last season, doing it again this year. Teams are challenging the guys that they have and. They only had they've only had guys in motion at the snap on one out of every twenty plays this wow. season. Yeah, so they're asking guys to just win one on one battles, which I think has to do with a simplification here. Uh, go ahead. I just want to say the Ravens I think are thirty five percent second highest in the league to Miami, who's at about forty five percent. But you know, Ravens fans out there, we think about how often the Ravens use their motion on a tight end or fullback crossing the formation to make a double team in the middle of the field. So uh, it's, it's still incredible to me that an 11 uh, personnel team would only run 5% motion. Yeah. And a Bill Belichick team at that, I mean, this is motion has been a staple of new England offense for a long time. I don't think this is by choice. I think it has to do with getting the players on the same page. This is something we've heard a mm-hmm. lot about. And we go back to the top of the show, the lack of an offensive coordinator, Matt, Patricia, Joe judge, Bill Belichick, the guys all running the show here. Uh, Matt Patricia, he's the play caller. He's also the offensive line coach. They're asking guys to do a lot of things at the same time. There are questions about how well it's working, but we're on the outside. We can't, re- it's speculation for us. So we don't know exactly what's going on there. Where do but these guys sit? Is Patricia an on field guy still, or is he moved up to a booth role? They're all on field. Um, okay. So there's a lot of, and he has an assistant offensive line coach or as a tight ends coach. So from what we heard on the sidelines, it's a lot of guys moving around, guys checking in. Bill Belichick will come over and he'll talk to to Mac Jones while Patricia goes and talks to the offensive line. And Patricia will come over and talk to Jones while his assistant fills in with the line. Joe Judge will come over at some point. Yeah, guys talking to the receivers. It's They're doing it as a group this year, uh, which that's the, kind of been the Bill Belichick experience for a long time. Coaching has always been a group thing for him now more so than ever. Uh, but on the field, since they're seeing so much man, you're seeing a lot of traditional man beaters. So lots of some pick plays, lots of like mesh concepts, lots of stick concepts, slants, slant flat, that type of thing. Um, a lot I just of- want to make sure people understand the mesh concepts. Mm-hmm. Explain that as a route concept as opposed to the mesh point, which we always talk about in the Ravens offense as being the the point of decision on a read option play. Mm -hmm. So a mesh concept is basically you're going to have drag routes. So routes going horizontal close to the line of scrimmage from opposite sides of the formation. Typically, I think with a third player who will come in and sit over the middle of the field. And the idea is to create horizontal motion with a lot of bodies there running close to each other so that there is a, a pick play that happens so that in man coverage, defenders can't follow their man. They have to run through a lot of traffic to do it. If you see it in college, the way it's coached, a lot of the times when the receivers cross each other, when they're crossing the middle of the field, they will high five each other on the way mm-hmm. as a way to kind of test the distance that they have. And that's how close huh. they're going to be. That way you'll, uh, that's more difficult to cover. 
So they do that. They'll have slant routes. And uh, the other thing I think we've seen a lot of, we've seen a lot of dagger concepts. So that's if you have three receivers on one side, you're going to have the guy, the, the three receiver, the guy closest to the quarterback is going to run about a 10 or a 12 yard in route. While the next guy out, the number two receiver on that side is going to run that drag over the middle, just creating a high low. Um, and we've also seen that in combination with the third receiver, the number one receiver, the outside guy running another in basically just creating some chaos over the middle of the field. It can work versus zone. It can work versus man. And the Patriots saw that work against both types of coverages last week. Uh, They were actually very effective against the Steelers' man coverage last week, one of the better games this receiving group has had in the last year and a half. So that, I think, was something Patriots fans were pleased to see, finally see these receivers win. And if you do that, force zone coverage where you can do a little bit more, ideally. Yeah, the 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 mesh count, uh, concept seems very well suited to beating a weaker inside linebacker group in terms of coverage skills. Now you're going to have some crossing man skills as well, but uh, there, there's there's undoubtedly going to be some coverage picked up by inside linebackers there. That uh, that has been a huge problem for the Ravens mm-hmm. in terms of of having guys that can contribute. Whether it's in 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 man schemes, they're probably better. But when when there's any kind of zone scheme and and the play gets behind them, they've really proven ineffective at being able to diagnose combinations of route concepts that are behind them. Mm -hmm. So that's big weakness for the Ravens. I think you'll notice one of the things I didn't mention here, too, and you're talking about man beaters, especially for a team like New England, play action. They Mm -hmm. have barely run any play action this season. Uh, They're running it on just 14% of snaps. They are dead last in early down play action in the league. No team has been less than 20% for a season last year, at least. So that 14% rate is very low. The coaches have attributed it to the defenses they're seeing. So is it, is it a, um, the play action they run, is it a zone opposite direction run look where the quarterback boots? Or is it a traditional kind of a turn your back play action and then reacquire the field and make your reads? It's been the, the turn your back type of stuff. I think they they have the bootleg stuff in the playbook. We've seen the zone runs where you've got Mac running in the opposite direction after he hands it off. So I think they're trying to set up for that at some point. They have that in there. But what we heard in training camp is that was not working very well. Um, The play action that they have called to, um, there was a play last week where they had Lil Jordan Humphrey wide open in the middle of the field. It would have been a sure touchdown. But Mac couldn't see it. There was pressure there. And the team got blitzed very heavily by Miami week one. I don't know if uh, we have a common opponent here already with the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much Baltimore saw that last week. They brought a lot of blitzes, a lot of exotic blitzes. Yeah. And I th- it sounded like the team audibled out of a lot of these play action looks because of that. Well, I, I don't just give for your own sake. Unfortunately, the Ravens fans already know about this. But uh, last year, the Dolphins in their win at Miami uh, set up with 40 cover zero blitzes, cover zero looks at the line of scrimmage on pass plays. Four zero. Most by far I've ever heard of in a game. On those plays, they ran a lot of simulated pressure and not from the guys you'd think. It wasn't the linebackers dropping. They dropped nose tackle Adam Butler. 18 times. He's an ex-Patriot too, I think, right? Yeah, former Patriot. Yeah, 18 times in one game, nose tackle, drop to coverage. And, uh, you know, the guys in the middle had no one to block, and the guys on the edge, of course, are always outnumbered by one, as you as you always are, 
you know, regardless of how many guys you decide to stick in there. Uh, so, you know, that was a, that was an ongoing problem. They really had no answer for it. And this time they, they tried it and, and Jackson completely burned them. They were, they were ready for it. They ran three, seven man, um, blitzes that were seven or plus. The first one went for, uh, 17 yards. The next one for 75. I don't have the order correct. And then the third one went for a one yard touchdown when they rushed 10, by the way, the Ravens had three receivers in the pattern, but the, but the still the Dolphins decided to rush 10 and, and only had one guy drop into quote unquote coverage very late, but, uh, but they had a good answer for that. So I, I'll be interested to see if the, if the Patriots decide this is a heavy blitzing game that, that, at, uh, uh, this should be a game that Jackson is really ready to go. Yeah, then that's going to be a very interesting point. We talk about the defense, but for that Patriots offense week one, it meant every time they lined up and we're going to go play action. If they saw an exotic blitz look, they're changing it to something else because they didn't think the offensive line was going to be able to block it. And at times we saw in Pittsburgh, it looked like they just weren't quite able to get on the same page. The issue, I mean, the issue with this Patriots offensive line isn't really ability. There's not a lot of guys losing one-on-one blocks. It's just making sure guys are in the right position. Um, and also, I mean, credit to that Miami defense. I thought the Miami defense played very well against New England week one. Zach Sealer, in particular for them, yes. made a number of fantastic plays all game long. He was jumping snaps, batting down balls, making great plays in the run game. Um Another guy we love, he's one of the amazing Ravens 2018 draft class. And amazingly, there are nine guys who are regulars from that class, who are starters out of 12 picks. That's incredible. And he was the first one, even though Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, Orlando Brown, all in that group, he was the first one to get a contract extension. <laughs> so uh, it was uh, he just sick about the fact that he got away, but the Ravens were way overstacked in terms of defensive line talent. And they tried to get him through to the practice squad. It didn't work. And uh, and uh, Miami got him and and he took off right away for them as soon as they, uh, they moved him in at the end of that season. So he's been a great pickup for them. Yeah, he was he was fantastic week one. Uh, but yeah, anytime you have a second-year quarterback with a receiving core New England has and a run-heavy team and tight ends that they like to use, you would expect a lot of play action, but haven't seen it. Uh, and there's also the RPO game. Mac Jones has experience with that at Alabama, and they have not passed on a single RPO yet this year, hmm. which, again, I think has to do with the looks that they're getting and kind of a simplification, which we haven't really talked about Mac Jones, but there isn't a lot to talk about there. He hasn't looked different than he was last season. He's made some of the exact same mistakes. He's also made some of the same nice throws. And, I mean, the pocket presence is there. He looked very good last week there. If you can give him room in the pocket, he'll find it. He'll look to make a play. He isn't afraid to run. He's not a good runner, but he will take the yards that are there. And he'll he'll impress you with some some nice throws down the field. And he has a somewhat decent deep ball as well. The problem is... If the defense is different after the snap, sometimes he doesn't double check what he's seeing. Sometimes he doesn't confirm it. Sometimes he throws the ball anyway. It definitely seems like some of the time he's making his decision before the snap and sticking with it. And it isn't often, but he had a pick last week. Should have had a second one that got dropped. And those are the types of mistakes that can really, really cost you when you don't necessarily have the explosive plays on the other hand to balance it out. How's he as being a, a zone beater? Uh, the Ravens, I, you know, I, I shudder to even say this because at halftime, they'd given up 20 yards on six dime plays, including interception. And the second half, they got burned for 13 yards per play when they had six or seven defensive backs on the field. But this, this defense, honestly, was built 
to have eyes in the backfield be a turnover machine that can really play soft zone very effectively with a very high turnover risk for the quarterback. So how is, how is Mac Jones as being a guy who can pick apart a zone uh, when the other team presents it? Well, he hasn't seen a lot of it so far in his career. Like I, I had said previously, they're seeing a lot of man coverage. Uh, he's very good at taking his checkdowns when there is zone and letting guys run after the catch. Everybody on this team can run after the catch. Um, but I don't know if he has the arm to get it into those windows down the field in between the zones. That's an area of the game where I think people want to see him take another step. He can do it some of the time. But he doesn't necessarily have the physical tools to really sling it in there. He's not going to fit it between three defenders for a perfect throw. He is probably going to take the check down. Uh, and that's where the Patriots are, are looking for some of these guys, and Nelson Aguilar, to stretch the field a little bit more so that there is more space underneath for other guys to make plays. All right. Very good. Outstanding stuff, Matt. I'm really appreciating this. Let's flip over the defensive side. Uh, so the, the question I always like to start on the defensive side is the Ravens use a ton of 12 personnel. They use some 13. But the thing that, that's been very consistent about what they've done is they've used heavies in a, a level I've never seen before, pr- probably ever in, in my years as an NFL fan. But they ran only 4% 11 personnel, sorry, four times, 7%. They ran 11 personnel the first week. The the second week, they only used 1.69 wide receivers per play, and they went up, in fact, to 2.37 heavies per play. So I'm taking out the running backs. I'm just saying the tight ends, fullback, and, and a sixth offensive lineman, when they use those, they average 2.37 of those per offensive snap. So this is an extremely heavy personnel team by design. And I, I guess one of the questions I have is, would, would you anticipate a different way that they would line up versus 12 and 21 looks that would be different from what you've seen already this season uh, than play in the games against uh, Miami and Pittsburgh? Uh, well, you go against those teams and you, you don't get a lot of heavy personnel. So the mm-hmm. Patriots have not faced a lot of that this year. But when they did play Baltimore back in 2020, you saw a lot of three safety looks. As kind of the base. I think you're going to see a lot more of that on Sunday. Safety is the best position group on this team. You have Devin McCourty still back there, still just as good as I think he's always been. Uh, in all of the film watching I've done this so far this season, I don't think I've mentioned his name to anybody once because he's just there. He's consistent. Um, and he's, he's making his plays. He's doing his job. Kyle Duggar, if he's healthy, is fantastic. Adrian Phillips is another... Uh, kind of safety linebacker guy they like to bring in the box. Uh, Ex-Charger, can, right? Mm-hmm. He was a really good special teamer there. Uh, he still plays in special teams in New England. He can do a lot of coverage stuff. He can help in the box in the running game. He's a great tackler. And obviously bringing in Jabril Peppers, who with Kyle Duggar injured at the end of the last game, he was very, very good. Another guy who can play downhill and be good in the running game. I look at the safety group, and I see a group that was really built to play against Lamar Jackson and this running game. It's, I think they're one of the, the few teams in the NFL that might have the bodies to both match up against tight ends and have the speed to contain Jackson. That's that's very interesting. I mean, that's certainly that's a, a safety group that's right on par with the Ravens in terms of being one of the deepest in the league. The Ravens have four safeties who I think basically should be starting anywhere. 
And they can't get them all on the field uh, all the time, obviously. But Hamilton, the 14th overall pick, is only seeing about 50 or 60 percent of the snaps because they they just can't find a way to get him on. Clark is the signal caller who was a little bit perturbed, I think, by the fact that that they drafted Hamilton mm-hmm. and what that might mean. But they've you know they've said no, we love you, we want to keep you. They even re- restructured his contract slightly and and uh, it kept him with the green dot most most uh, importantly, so he's on the field for every play. Mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, that's these are the two probably the two best safety rooms in the NFL yeah. right here going against each other. And then if you're talking about that heavy personnel in the middle of the field. Patriots linebacker room is in a really interesting spot right now. They lost Dante Hightower in the offseason. He hasn't signed anywhere. Uh, I think the idea is he's probably going to retire. His body looked a little bit old last season. He looked slow. (laughs) They lost Kyle Van Noy, who also ended up uh, going out to the Chargers. who They they just cut him. Uh, They wanted to save a little bit of money there. And uh, Jamie Collins was one of their primary linebackers last year. He's not on the team, although the team actually just today gave him a free agent workout. So that could change by the time we get to Sunday. But the the linebackers they're playing with, it's uh, Matt Judon as your outside linebacker. They have Jawan Bentley, who is doing both inside and outside linebacker stuff this year. Uh, Mac Wilson, who you may be familiar with, the former Brown, is in New England now. Mm-hmm. He's been pretty good. Um, he has his warts as a player. He can over-pursue at times. He's not the best tackler, but he hits hard, and he's quick enough that he can make up for some of the mistakes he makes in processing. And they also have Raekwon McMillan, who they signed last year, and he tore his ACL in camp. They brought him back for another year. McMillan got the start week one. Mac Wilson got the start week two as the extra linebacker. And then there's two other depth guys at linebacker who have helped them out. Um, one of them is Jelani Tavaya. Uh, I thought his name was Jelani Tavaya until just this week. He was a guy that they brought in at one point, used to be a lion, and he's been surprisingly good as kind of an extra pass rusher. One thing I, I wanted to ask you about was Matt Judon, and uh, you mentioned him. I'm, I'm looking at this, and this is very interesting. So it's effectively a 5-2 alignment, right, with, that they use with the with their 3-4, meaning they, mm-hmm. they put both outside linebackers on the line of scrimmage like the Ravens do. Um, the, the, I've noticed he's only got two coverage snaps this year after, you know, he, he was right up there with Tyus Bowser as being one of the best cover guys in the entire league as an outside linebacker. What's going on with that? Uh, for Judon, they're using him yeah. as a pass rusher. He was, uh, he had a career high in sacks last year. Mm-hmm. He was very, very good. Uh, he's a guy who comes downhill really well and they just like him in that role. Although I will say he had. The, not the play of the game, but one of the plays of the game last week in coverage. He was supposed to be a pass rusher, and the back came out. Uh, and the linebacker, Juwan Bentley, was supposed to be in coverage, got caught up. Judon recognized it and got out on Najee Harris on a wheel route and was able to break up the pass, which forced a punt from Pittsburgh, and then they, they never saw the ball again. The Patriots ran the clock out. But no, he's a, a full-time pass rusher. Okay, so is he playing on the rush side or is he still playing on the same side, just not dropping? Uh, They will move him around. Um, They they have a a variety of fronts this year. You said 5-2 and there's a lot of that. There's also a lot of 4-2 where they'll kind of stagger the front and have an outside linebacker at one side and a defensive end at the other. So that, that would be on a, on, oh, okay, I hear what you're saying there. It's, it's, uh, the Ravens are forced into some of that because of their lack of outside linebackers. They never really run it before. Uh, that is a little, that is a little 
unusual, but that allows you to put get five defensive backs on the field. So I guess it, that's what they're doing for. The Patriots did a lot of that last year, and it was effective. And it allows you to kind of have a run strength and a pass strength where you can have a heavier side um, and then also get Judon some almost one-on-one looks on the weak side of some of these to rush the passer. Um, he's been good there. And then the depth guys, uh, Tavaya has been good as kind of a reclamation project from the Lions and for Nee Jennings. They drafted a couple years ago, did very little as a rookie, missed all of last season. Everybody expected him to be a camp casualty, but he was actually one of the, one of the starting outside linebackers by the end of training camp and then a healthy scratch week one. Uh, and then back in the rotation last week, so he's kind of a, a run defender first. So he's going to be out there for running situations. I'm not sure if they're ever going to want him out there in passing situations. And the reverse of him is Josh Uche, another Michigan product, product a kind of twitchy pass rusher who will be out there. Uh, they've had him lining up everywhere from the A gap to a wide nine this year. They basically only put him in when they want to rush the passer, but he's very efficient at it. Okay. All right, so Uche, I remember as being really an, an edge defender when he came out in the draft, but but he's a he's a guy you can bump inside, I assume. Then from what you're telling me, they're only using him as a pass rusher, so they only bring him inside for those situations as one of those stand up a gap or b gap blitzers. Um, okay, gotcha. Okay, uh, how does uh, the defense look different on passing downs? Do they do they have a um, uh, do they take linebackers off the field for additional safeties, given the depth of that safety room? Do they play mm-hmm. a you know a standard dime or even a quarter ever? Um, they their first move is to take linebackers off. They want to get to three safeties if mm-hmm. they can, and that kind of is their base. They do a lot of six defensive back stuff with three corners and three safeties, and mm-hmm. one of those safeties coming down in the box. So where I mentioned that Anthony Jennings had been in starting outside linebacker in camp. Now that it's real games, they have moved your typical starting middle linebacker and Juwan Bentley down to be the outside linebacker. And they're putting in a safety where he was in that uh, middle linebacker spot, which has been very effective. The defense has been very good against the run. And then uh, in the past, it's different this year. We're seeing more zone than ever from a Bill Belichick defense, lots of single high stuff, which I know Lamar Jackson torched last week. We'll see if they stick with it. Uh, and kind of a rotation of guys who can play deep. They will disguise quite a bit. Uh, they had a, kind of an invert cover two last week that they disguised on Mitch Trubisky, got him to throw a pick right, right over a slant over the middle of the field. He never saw the underneath linebacker, Mac Wilson, who tipped it into the air, and Jalen Mills was behind him for the catch. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. Uh, two group, two position groups I don't think we've hit on as, as much as we could so far. One of them is cornerback, the other is a defensive line, but take us through either in the order you'd like. Uh, yeah, we can we can finish off the front seven then, talk about the defensive line, because there's some interesting guys here. Most notably is Christian Barmore. Uh, he's a defensive tackle, second-year guy out of Alabama. He was a mm-hmm. second-round pick last year. One of those guys who everybody thought had first-round talent, but questions on some of the other stuff. Patriots got him in the second round, and he's looked like a first-round talent. Um, He creates pressures at a high rate. He didn't start either of the first two weeks, but he has the most snaps of any defensive tackle. They like to get their run guys out there first and then get their passing situation guys involved later, and then Barmar usually plays more the later into the game they get. He's a guy you really can't afford to block one-on-one in any situation. He's a very good pass rusher from the inside. 
Um, they have Lawrence Guy and Devon Godshaw, defensive tackle too. I'm sure you're familiar with Lawrence Guy. Of course, yeah. He's older now, but still as good as he's always been. And Godshaw, uh, Patriot signed from Miami. He's a guy Belichick called earlier this season one of the best defensive linemen in all of football, which might be a stretch. But yeah, he's played. He's played well to start this season. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what's well, it, it's uh, Barmore in particular was a guy I was excited about in the draft. The Ravens needed to get younger on the on the defensive line in a big way, and he was one of the only really good draft options at defensive line in that class. Actually, it's a pretty weak defensive line class this year as well. I thought, mm-hmm. uh, but fortunately, the Ravens got Travis Jones in it. But Barmore, I really liked, and and uh, he would have been a guy who would have been happy taking with either of their first round picks when they uh, when they took Owe and uh, and Bateman. I can tell you that Travis Jones is somebody I wanted to pair with Christian Barmore in New England just to see what the two of them would look like mm-hmm. next to one another. Um, yeah, Barmore has been very good so far this year. He got a sack last game. It was kind of a cleanup sack, but a good play nonetheless. He forced uh, a couple of pressures. Uh, and the last guy in that defensive line, really... The- go with Barmore for one more second. Yeah. It typically lines up as a three then, or where does he line up along the line? mostly as a three typically okay. godshaw will be over the nose or closest to the nose he's a guy that will usually require a double team which is what has allowed the other defensive linemen to have more success um, i don't know if godshaw is an elite player but he's very good at just being there taking up space and uh, the patriots had carl davis play a lot of snaps in this mm-hmm. meeting in 20 uh, 2020 he's still on the roster I don't think he's going to see as many snaps this time because now they have Godshaw to fill that role. Uh, he's just a far superior player to Davis. Okay. Uh, it's yeah. interesting because what you're talking about in terms of Armour being a three, just to go back to him because I seem to be obsessed here, he's going to get some good one-on-one opportunities against the Ravens guards, whether that's Zeitler or against Powers. Powers had a pretty good game this last week, but uh, yeah. uh, Zeitler is still the matchup I think I'd prefer the Ravens to get if you're going to if you're if he's going to rush from one side or the other. And the Patriots last week and in general they like to do a lot of stuff where they'll line up three defensive linemen on one side of the ball in passing situations and get Barmore in the middle meaning that he will in the middle of those three meaning he mm-hmm. will be guaranteed a one-on-one matchup with a guard. Uh, so they'll line him out uh, a, a five tech for things like that to get the matchups they want where he's been very effective. And the only other defensive lineman to mention is the only edge, only true edge defender defensive lineman that you're going to see. Uh, there's a second one, an undrafted free agent that made the roster. He's only played special teams. Dietrich Wise, I think, has the most snaps of any Patriots defender. He has been fantastic this season. He's only gotten better every year. They've asked him to play a little bit of outside linebacker in a two-point stance. Uh, He's got long arms. He's a very good run defender. He's become a very good pass rusher. Uh, He's one of those guys who I think many expected to kind of cap out a couple years ago, and he hasn't. He has really only gotten better every year. Uh, He had his wise has one sack, five pressures, and five run stops so far this season. What, What kind of contract is he under right now? Um, I don't have that on, off the top of my head. I, I know they have him. I'll look, I'll look it up weeks. while you're continuing to talk. Tell us about the cornerbacks and we'll go back to that. Uh, the corners are a very interesting room. Uh, if you go back a couple years, they had Stephon Gilmore and JC Jackson, two of the best corners in all of football at those outside spots. Now neither one is there. So they're outside corners. They got Jalen Mills on one side who looked good in camp, 
he had a, a terrible PFF grade last week, which I, I think was warranted to a degree. I don't know if it was entirely warranted how he'll handle top receivers, as I think I think the jury is still out on that one. Jonathan Jones is the other outside corner. He is tip, he's been a slot corner his entire career up to this point. He even played a little bit of safety last year. But he's the second best corner that they have on this team. He's also the fastest hmm. corner they have on this team. Uh, so he's playing a lot of outside stuff. He's pretty good. He's got good instincts. He's a decent tackler. He doesn't have great length or ball skills. He's not going to win a lot of contested catch situations. But he's also one of the only corners in the NFL to slow down Tyreek Hill one-on-one without safety help, which hmm. Belichick has matched him up in that uh, for a couple of years now, even going back to the 2018 AFC Championship game. Uh, if you want more on it, um, Pat's pulpit writer uh, Taylor Kyles has a whole Twitter thread with, with clips of that. Um, it might still be pinned to his profile. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, a <laughs> great breakdown of clips throughout the years, 2018 matchup, 2019 matchup, 2020 matchup of how Jones would just get put on Tyreek Hill and, for the most part, shut him down. And He did a good job. We won with that, too. A lot of catches, a lot of yards, no touchdowns, no impact plays. Ravens could have used a one-week rental on him this last week because Tyreek certainly, uh, certainly beat him like crazy. Uh, let's talk about this particular matchup and say you have Jackson, Bateman, Andrews, the Ravens' run game being what it is right now, not, not particularly good in week two other than Jackson. Um, how do you expect them to, to try and defend what the Ravens offer on offense? In past years, what I would have said is they're going to stack the box as much as possible and basically dare Lamar to beat them deep. This year, I don't know if that's the strategy with how good of a passer Lamar has been. I know how good he was against the Blitz last week, how good he's been against uh, middle of the field closed looks, cover one, cover three. He's just been fantastic there. And the running game has not been as effective, I know, in Baltimore Mm -hmm. as it has been in previous years. Obviously, you need somebody with eyes on Lamar Jackson at all times. Otherwise, you will get killed. But outside of that, I'm not sure how they want to handle this. I think we're going to see more zone. Bill Belichick has played more zone this season than in past years. I think that's in part a reflection of who he has out there. The depth at corner is still to be determined. Miles Bryant has been the starting slot corner. He's fine. He's not a great athlete. He's not going to miss a lot of assignments. He's a good tackler, but he's, I think, five foot eight. He's a very small player. He's not that quick. So he has a very limited ceiling. Jack Jones has gotten run as the, the outside corner as a rookie. He's been good. He's got ball hawk tendencies, but he's still young. He's had a couple welcome to the NFL moments already. Uh, Tyreek Hill caught a jump ball over him week one, um, and he got decked by the backup running back in Pittsburgh last week. So how, how they decide to match up these corners, I don't know. I think it'll be zone. I think it'll be a QB spy. I think they'd be wise to not blitz Lamar Jackson. I think the strategy is going to be to get heavy personnel out there but not rush the passer and play a very conservative approach. All right. All right. Well, that'd be interesting. And you just heard it in terms of zone defense. This is the, uh, the week to get Isaiah Likely brought up from your, for your fantasy team. Like I play any fantasy football, and Mark Andrews, of course, would would be there any week in terms of your actives. I got a one. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I think that's the really interesting matchup to me here. Is I think the Patriots can take that may not take away Mark Andrews, but they have the bodies to put somebody on Mark Andrews and cover him, and to cover Lamar Jackson at the same time. And 
we know Bill Belichick is going to take away your best options. They can probably at least slow down Rashad Bateman. I don't think he's going to go off the way he did last week. But that means, all right, this is the Isaiah Likely week. This is where those depth players have to show up, make those plays, move the chains for you, keep things going. And Lamar Jackson also has to find them. I think that's probably going to be a determining thing. I don't know if the Patriots can do all of that at the same time. All right. Well, Matt, outstanding. Great having you on. Give us one player. We don't do score predictions on the show, but one player you think really matches up well against what the Ravens have to offer. It has to be offensive defense. It has to be Kyle Duggar in my eyes. I think he has potential to be an all pro safety this year. Uh, He's made some really nice plays, especially in the running game. Uh, in the Miami game, there was a play where he came down, moved all the linebackers over, recognized a toss play, and just shot the gap. And it was a five-yard loss for Miami when he made the tackle. He's a guy who has potential to really do that. If he's healthy, I think he's kind of the X factor if the Patriots are able to slow down this Baltimore offense. If he's not, I think it just falls on Devin McCourty to make sure nothing gets over the top. Um, I also I have a stat for you. Not, not a player as an X factor, but a stat that's kind of an X factor if you want. Okay. The, the last 10 games that New England has played in, uh, the team that won never trailed. No lead changes. Right, no lead changes. That's interesting. Okay, so first score is important. I, I'll give the other player I think often does well for the Patriots, particularly when they're up in, in Foxborough, and I can, I can just imitate him on field as much as this. And that's the sound of what the radio helmet sounds like when New England is jamming it in terms of the thing. But we have, obviously, there's been a lot of accusations going going like that over the years. The the, the Ravens have been uh, uh, not happy about the things that have happened, and they're not alone in that regard. But hey, we'll, uh, we'll see what ha- there's that ongoing construction at Gillette Stadium these days. So maybe oh, is that uh, what they call it now? They uh, they actually they're ripped out one end of the stadium and they're replacing it with a whole new scoreboard, but it won't be ready until next year. Um, and this is the first home game this year. This is the first time that they'll play kind of in that environment outside of the preseason. So interesting uh, little renovation going on there. All right. Fair enough, man. Uh, we appreciate having you on. Great stuff, Matt. Great, uh, very thorough walkthrough personnel and scheme and, and uh, appreciate having you on. I got to thank Mark for suggesting you've done a good job in his place. Uh, tell folks where they, again, they can find your work, whether it's Twitter or any other plugs you want to make. Uh, yeah, so I'm over at Pat's Pulpit uh, on their podcast twice a week. We do instant reactions right after every Patriots game, plus one episode during the week to talk about what's going on. I occasionally write an article over there. And you can also find me on Twitter at Matt St. Dream, M-A-T-T-S-T-D-R-E-A-M. That is an old high school nickname that has just stuck. <laughs> All right. I think I'd be trying to get rid of that on my Twitter handle by now, but that's all right. (laughs) Matt, really appreciate having you on. Great stuff. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DM on Twitter, always open. Guys have come through with fantastic ideas on this, but I'm looking for a nice narrow topic, 20, 25 minutes. Uh, If you want to talk about why the Ravens should pick up some particular outside linebacker, this is your shot this week. Be a great time if you have somebody in mind, maybe somebody who's not JPP even, because that seems to be the the, the scuttlebutt right now. But uh, love to hear from you. Matt, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.
ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.